Well, I'm so glad you've decided to join us for the third of our celebration services here at Kingsgate Peter. I know we've got services in our other centers too. And we're taking this wonderful theme of living hope, living hope. Let me start by asking you a question. What is hope? What is hope? Well, one definition is it's an optimistic state of mind that is based on an expectation of positive outcomes. So for example, um, prior to my recent trip to the US, if my wife Karen was feeling particularly optimistic, she might think, I really hope Dave won't lose his passport or his bank card. Well, I'm pleased to say I returned passport and bank card safely here, but I did manage to lose a coat, a nice shirt, and a travel kettle, so not as bad as a passport. As a long-standing Man City fan, about a week ago, I was thinking, I really hope Man City are going to win the quadruple. With our hopes dashed cruelly this week, I've now revised my expectations. Thank you for your sympathy. I've revised my expectations. Now, I really hope that they're going to win the treble. In other words, we're using that term hope with a, I hope something positive is going to happen if I'm feeling optimistic, but we're not sure or certain that it really will. Talking of optimism, there was a family with twin boys. One was an eternal optimist. The other was a gloom and doom pessimist. Just to see what would happen, on the twins' birthday, their father loaded the pessimist room with all kinds of toys and games. The optimist room, he loaded with horse manure. That night, the father passed by the pessimist room and found him sitting amidst all his new gifts, crying bitterly. Why are you crying, the father asked. The twin said, this is so terrible. My friends will be jealous. I have to read all these instructions. I'll constantly need batteries, and my toys will eventually get broken. Passing the optimist twin's room, the father found him dancing for joy in the pile of manure. What are you so happy about, Dad asked. To which his optimist twin replied, in such a massive pile of manure, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. Well, the great news this Easter is the hope, the living hope we're talking about isn't the the vague kind of wishful thinking that we so often associate with that word, nor is it dependent on where we lie on the pessimist, optimist spectrum. It's not dependent on our personality. Bishop Leslie Newbigin put it this way, I'm neither an optimist nor a pessimist. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. In other words, what he's saying there is that our hope is not maybe so, not I hope so, I I wish so, but it's something that's based on absolute certainties because 2,000 years ago, Jesus rose from the dead and conquered death once for all. The hope that we can have is something sure and it's something certain. Uh, A first century witness of the resurrection himself, the Apostle Peter, uh, penned these words. And you you heard an extract of it in our presentation earlier. He, He said this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, 
and fade. That inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power. And really, Peter's giving a beautiful uh, portrait of hope and what it can do for our lives, how it can affect our past, how we can receive a new birth, and how it promises something great for the future, an inheritance, and also how in the present, in our life right now, we can experience God's protection shielded by God's power. Now, when we think about this kind of hope, how many agree as you look at our nation, our nation could do with a real dose of this kind of hope right now? And maybe you can look around at people you know and think, There's so much hopelessness, there's so much despair. We need this kind of living hope. But then if you look even closer to your own life, you may say, there are areas of my life where I need this kind of living hope. Well, the great news is this hope is available to us all because of the resurrection of Jesus. And so I want to look at, if you like, three dimensions of this hope, and past, future, and present. Firstly, if we're going to receive and experience this living hope, We need to receive a new start, a new start. I don't know about you, but I love springtime. It's one of my favorite seasons. And I think it's very pertinent for us in the UK that um, Easter coincides with springtime. And so all around, it's this whole we, picture of new beginnings, you know, after the deadness of winter. We're seeing blossom on the trees. The birds are, are singing. Uh, it's just this whole sense of freshness and life. Everything is new. But what about you and me? As I was thinking about uh, this meeting and about these services, I was thinking, God, I believe you want to do something fresh in many of our lives. Maybe it needs to be a springtime in your life right now. So how can we receive such a newness and new beginning. Well, the Apostle Peter, again, quoting from this verse, he says that uh, we can receive, if you like, a spiritual new beginning. Something can happen on the inside of us, and it's so radical, he puts it in this terms. He said, it's like we have been given a new birth, a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Talking of new birth, I don't know whether you've ever held a newborn baby. I have, and my favorite occasions when I held one of, um, one of our daughters. Uh, you look at that picture, I'm sure some of you think he hasn't changed much. <laughs> Or maybe not. But as I remember looking at our, our girls, I think, well, that sense of innocence, that sense of freshness, that sense of all of life is ahead of them but also that overwhelming emotion as a, as a proud, devoted dad and that sense of joy and love at this beautiful little creation in front of me. And so I think it's very powerful that Peter uses the language to describe what happens when somebody becomes a Christian as like a new birth. It, it's really powerful. It means a brand new beginning. It's not a patch-up job. Something real happens on the inside. It's not a physical birth. It's a spiritual new birth. And, and it's like our past is completely, um, we're set free from all the baggage that would hold, hold us back. We have a new start. And God our Father looks on to us with the love and the joy of a devoted parent. There's something powerful about this new birth. The question is, we need to ask is, What's the relationship between Easter 2,000 years ago and the fact that we can receive new birth today? Well, 
quick reminder of the central events of that first Easter. We celebrate on what we call Good Friday, uh, the, the central symbol of the Christian faith, which is the cross. That Jesus Christ, Son of God, became a real man, totally innocent, totally righteous, died on the cross cruelly 2,000 years ago, not because he was guilty, but because he was somehow paying the price for the sins of all humanity and taking it upon himself. And so everyone who comes to him can receive freedom, not just from sin, but all the effects of sin, all the guilt, all the shame, everything that would hold us back from entering into God's plan for our lives. Thank God for the cross of Jesus Christ. He died in our place. He, he really did. But that's only the first part of the Easter story. Jesus' body was taken down for the cross. It was buried in a tomb. He was clinically dead for three days. And then on that first Easter Sunday morning, as the, the women and then the disciples visited the tomb, they saw the tombstone had been rolled away, the body had gone, and then they started encountering the risen Lord Jesus in person, the same Jesus who died alive, somehow different, but the same man demonstrating that once and for all, death had been defeated. And the great news is this Jesus who came alive is still alive and will be alive forevermore. This is what we celebrate on Easter, Resurrection Day. But the great news is, is that what Jesus did then is the power to change our lives today. It says that we are born again through the resurrection of Jesus. The, the life that conquered the grave can conquer um, all that's holding us back in our lives. And as we receive Jesus, a miracle happens and we get born again. We have a brand new start. And the important thing to realize is not something we can, we can somehow work up ourselves. We haven't got the power to get this kind of new start. It's not like um, a New Year's resolution. <laughs> Try it for a bit and it, and it normally doesn't work. I don't know about you, but as well as sometimes losing things, I'm also a bit technically challenged. Now, I know enough about technology that if my laptop seems to be malfunctioning, the first thing I've been trained to do is turn it on and off. It's a simple reset. And sometimes, literally just doing that is enough to clear the problem. But other times when I've tried that and it's still, still not fixed, there's a there's a corruption in or it's malfunctioning some way. I don't have the knowledge or the power to fix my computer, so I have to call to one of our tech team, help! And, and they, they, they come and they, they will take it away. They'll do something with it, maybe give it a hard reset. They'll get rid of all the corruption, bring it back to its manufacturer settings and give it back to me pristine and new. And it's a little bit like that when it comes to spiritually. There are certain things we can do to improve our lives. But when it comes to dealing with the fundamental problem of our sin and our selfishness and our brokenness, we need external help from someone who's way more loving and knowledgeable and powerful, God himself. Only he can give us that new birth. I know that from first-hand experience. As I was growing up, outwardly I had a lot going for me, but inwardly, particularly during my teens, I knew there was something missing. It was, there was an emptiness. There was a, a dysfunction in my life. And try as I could with both good endeavors and also lots of bad activities too, nothing seemed to change the fundamental problem I had. That was until Easter 
1983, 36 years ago, oh happy day, when I made a decision to finally call on external help and ask Jesus Christ by the power of his Holy Spirit to forgive me and to come into my life and change me, and he did. And I can honestly say, it's just like I had a new birth. I had a new beginning. My past was, was, was as it were, cut off. I was set free, and God's power and presence came into my life. And one of the things that I experienced was an immediate sense of a hope that I'd never done before. And the good news is that's not just my experience. Right through history, billions of people would say, what happened 2,000 years ago at that first Easter, the resurrection power of Jesus has and is transforming their lives today. And at the end of this service, I want to give an opportunity to any of you who say, "Um, I need that new start and you haven't received it. I want to pray. I also believe that there's many people here who may be already on the journey and God wants to give you a sense of fresh start, fresh beginning, a springtime in your life. That's the first thing, a new start. The living hope comes from a new start. But secondly, the living start, the, the new hope not only deals with our past and gives a new birth, it actually points to something wonderful in the future, which is it's the promise of a great inheritance, a great inheritance. Not just in this life, but especially the focus is on the life beyond this life. Now, let me ask you a question. What do you think about life after death, if you ever think about it? Well, at the time that Peter was writing these words in the New Testament, a prevailing view was basically that we live, make the most of life, doesn't really matter what you do because we die anyway. Bit futile. Typical inscription on a grave, the translation of this read like this. I was not, I became, I am not, I care not. Happy Easter, everybody. I mean, it's not exactly filled with hope, is it? It's, it's acknowledging that if death is the end, death potentially is something to be feared, but also it means that all that we do in life could be somewhat futile. So let me ask a question. If death wasn't the end, if hope doesn't end with the grave, would that change everything? I believe it would. Let, let, let me illustrate. If you imagine this rope here, basically goes on forever. Imagine it being wrapped around the world several times and just going on and on and on. And then for a moment, just just imagine with me that this rope represents the timeline of your life. Forever and ever and ever. Question is, where would the life that you and I are living fit into that timeline? Well, I googled and apparently the average life expectancy in the UK is just under 81 years. So where would 81 years fit on this rope? It'd be about as big as this. Seems significant at the time, but in the light of forever and ever and ever, it's actually a really short passage of time. It's an important passage of time because things that we do and decisions we make here has a bearing on that. But dependent on our age and our stage of life and circumstances, we can get very focused on what's next. And that's not wrong, but it can just be a bit short-sighted. 
I know because I was once a teenager and was once in my early 20s that the way you view life at that age or stage of life is very different than later on. For some of you um, who are in that, in that age, you know, as you look ahead, you, you say, I've got all of that ahead. <laughs> and depending on where you're at right now, you may be incredibly optimistic about the f- future, full of, full of hope, or you may be actually full of fear. Others of us have slipped along a bit. And we're somewhere here, maybe near the middle. You're in what we may broadly call midlife. I'm convincing myself I'm early midlife. But... <laughs> and we can look back at life and we can look ahead and our perspectives change. Some of, of us may be a little bit nearer the end. And again, your views on life, hopes and fears change. But the wonder of Easter is that our hopes are not just for the next season of our life, but because Jesus Christ, a real man, died, rose again, once and for all conquered death, that there is a life beyond this life and there is an inheritance that we can enjoy because and through him. Peter puts it this way. He talks about how we've been born again into a living hope through the resurrection and into an inheritance, notice that language, that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Now just like in a natural inheritance, we receive something, so God wants to give us the promise of the future inheritance he's laid up for us. Karen and I, at the end of our life, we die, we go to be with the Lord. Uh, amongst other things, we will give and leave an inheritance for our daughters. Why? Because they've been born into our family. And the same holds true in the spiritual realm. For those who've been born again into the family of God, we've got the promise that our glorious, generous Father in heaven has laid up for us an inheritance that is fantastic, and it's going to be way better than anything you could hope or dream for in this life. The great hope of the Christian life, the living hope, is something about what is going to happen and what's available to us in the life to come. So what does that life look like? Well, there's a lot we could say, and that's why, partly why we're putting on this three-part series on hope, and so we'll unpack that a bit more. But just for now, uh, the Bible gives us an indicator of that this life is not just going to be a vague kind of ethereal existence. No, it's going to be real life. Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, had a real body. But it's going to be a perfect life. Imagine a life where there's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. There's no more cemeteries. There's no more prisons. There's no more crime. There's no more loss. There's no more mourning. There's no more separation. Where in the words of the last book of the Bible, God comes and once and for all, he's going to wipe away every tear. Where there's no more death. Where we're going to enjoy life as God intended it. If you like, heaven on earth is the promise of this great inheritance. That's the great hope of Easter. It's a wonderful promise of what is to come. Jesus put it this way. He says, I am the resurrection of the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And there's a promise that in in the age to come, those who have uh, become followers of Jesus are going to be resurrected as he has been. And we're going to enjoy life 
that's going to be way better than this life. It's going to go on forever and ever and ever. Perfect relationship with God. Perfect relationship with, 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 with everybody else. It's going to be life like we've always dreamed it would be. What a glorious, glorious Easter promise we have today. For all of us who've received God's gift of eternal life. So this living hope offers us the promise of a new start. It, it gives us the, the hope for a glorious and a great inheritance in the future. But it also does deal with and address our needs in this short but very important life. It's the promise we have that we don't have to do life alone, but we can have in our lives a loving, powerful helper. See, our lives matter. We've only got one life like this. And I decided years ago, <laughs> I wanted to make a difference with my life. And for that, we need help. You know, it's not just a question of just bumbling through life and hope, hope we hit something. God has a purpose and a destiny for every single one of us. But we need help. I don't know when you need help in life, what you turn to, whether you turn to your mom, your dad, your best friend. I think many of, many of us, this is our ever-present helper, mobile phone. Yeah, th these things, you agree, they're, they're pretty special, aren't they? They can do a lot of stuff. Helps you when you get in your car, it can navigate for you. Any, any information you need, go to Google. You've even got a little thing that, that can talk to you. We rely on these powerful little devices. Like last week, I had a moment of panic I realized that somewhere, yet, yet again, I'd lost it. I was like, ah, that sense of helplessness. Where's my phone? I can't do without it. But actually, as good and helpful as these devices are, they're not all powerful, they're not all knowing, and more than that, they're impersonal. The promise of Easter is that we have someone who is way better than a mobile phone, who knows everything, is all powerful, and more to the point, he loves you and he knows you better than you know yourself, and he wants to help you in life so that you end up fulfilling God's plan for your life. In the words of this scripture, he said, he's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who by the Holy Spirit wants to not just come into your life, but he wants, as it were, to stay with you and be with you, not just in eternity, uh, but every minute of every day for the rest of your life. He is so beautiful. He's so wonderful. I encountered him 36, 36 years ago, and he's more real to me now than he was 36 years ago. He is a wonderful, powerful helper. And when he comes into your life, there's the promise that he'll help us, he'll heal us, he'll set us free, he'll also protect us. He'll protect us as we get ready for what he has for us. In verse 5, it talks about how we can be, through faith, shielded by God's power. That's protected. In the good times, the bad times, Jesus Christ can be our traveling companion for the rest of our journey. And when he comes into our life, everything becomes different. Over the course of Kingsgate, journey. We've seen many people's lives transformed by inviting the powerful helper into their lives. And earlier on, you saw a presentation there, a number of people talking about how God had literally changed their lives, had, had turned things around for them. And one of the young women there is Kezia. 
and we, we just we, we captured something more of her story, a bit more detail about how she invited Jesus Christ. She was already on the journey and then welcomed him to help her in a new way. And we want to just show you something, the transformation that that decision made for her. So please watch this. Hi, I'm Kezia. From an early age up until kind of my late teens, I suffered quite badly with anxiety and depression and it affected my life in so many ways. I couldn't go out with my friends or do fun things with my friends and up until recently I, I hadn't even stayed out overnight. I felt like I was trapped in this never-ending spiral of fear. It was on my mind every second of the day and, and I couldn't get away from it. And even with the support of my friends and family, this fear just took over and I couldn't see a way out. Growing up, this caused a lot of bullying because people didn't understand why I was the way I was and why I couldn't do the normal things that they were doing. It got to the point where I just wanted to end it all. I wanted this fear to go away and to be honest with you, that scared me quite a bit. Being at church and worshipping God throughout this time was the only place that I felt safe. I'm a musician, my whole family are musicians, and being a singer, this has been the main way that I've connected with God. I was in the youth band, and I got asked to lead worship. I was completely terrified. I was so close to saying, no, there's no way I'm doing that. But something in me just thought, no, because you just need to do this. From that moment, everything changed. I realized that I couldn't do anything in my own strength. I had to give it over to God. I remember saying out loud, God, I give it all to you. I hand over all of my fears, all of my worries and stresses to you. I, I can't do it on my own. I need you to take over. And I think that was the moment that everything changed because I wasn't living my life on my own. I asked God to walk with me and take my hand and show me the way he wanted me to go and not the way I wanted to go. I can't believe I'm where I am now, going from someone who was so fearful that they wanted to end their life to having a hope for the future. I'm living in freedom, knowing that God is by my side and that he's never gonna leave me. Isn't that a beautiful story of how Jesus Christ and the hope he brings can bring such transformation to our lives. Now all of us have got different stories and different situations where we need God's help and the hope of Jesus Christ into our lives. And I, what I love about that story there is somebody already on the journey of faith but needed to make a fresh decision to put Jesus at the center and surrender her life to him. And that may be where you're at. And so in, in a short while when we come to pray, I'd love to pray for you and invite you to take a fresh step of surrendering your life to him.